This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby, who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of four, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. This is episode 51. We have a special guest, Manoush Domoretti, on the podcast today. She'll be talking all things tech and urban parenting and uh, doing the Note to Self podcast, writing bored and brilliant, all sorts of wonderful stuff. So we're really looking forward to talking with her later, getting some tips for our kids and tech as well. Um, but we're recording this in mid-July. It'll air late July. Summer is in full swing. We've been doing lots of camp. Sarah, how about you? What are you doing on the camp front? Yeah, us too. So, you know, interestingly, when this airs on July 24th, we'll have been like we're almost done with our summer by that point, which is craziness. But yeah, we've been doing day camp for both big kids. We kind of took the easy route and I put them in the same camp for all summer and I haven't heard any complaints so far. So I'm I'm hoping for simple until they get older and start requesting a bunch of different specialty camps because for now it was nice not to have to to do anything elaborate in terms of piecing together different weeks. Yeah, I will that- I will say they they offer some sort of elective weeks, so that was nice. So same camp, but I can put I put Annabelle in like hip hop dance week because she wanted to do that and cheerleading week, but same drop off, same pickup, same logistics. Yeah, that's a nice 
add. I mean, we've had different specialty camps and it's kind of, <laughs> there are a lot of drop off and pick up logistics and, you know, kind of shortens the workday a little bit. I've been, you know, trying to maintain a good positive mindset about, you know, getting to have time in the car with kids individually, but yeah, the pickups and drop offs can be this, like it's car line for school, but like worse because, you know, it's not, uh, <laughs> Not as organized, perhaps. Not as organized. Although this one camp that my eight-year-old is in is very well run in the sense of it's a long car line, but they have like music playing and they have this sort of choreographed thing of like moving the cars forward. I mean, if you if you can't make it go fast, I guess at least you can try to be fun and like, you know, play loud Backstreet Boys or something. While you're oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're dealing with that. Uh, the, the little guy started camp this week. Oh my gosh. Is this his first year? It is. He is just doing a morning day camp at the preschool that he's going to in the fall. So far, it's been mostly okay, although I'm a little concerned. I don't know. So the first day, he was like all gung-ho and and it was great. Uh, This morning when I dropped him off, he was clinging to me. That was a little bit worrying because he doesn't he's not real clinger type guy I was like what happened you know but yesterday he actually told me he had gotten a timeout I'm like oh my goodness oh <laughs> so, that is kind of heartbreaking heartbreaking I'm, I mean I'm sure he deserved it but like <laughs> like I don't think it was arbitrarily or overly harsh or anything I'm, I'm pretty sure it wasn't but uh you know yeah he's he needs to learn um that when you are with big groups of kids who are not your family, um, there are rules and you have to follow them. And there are probably consequences if you don't. And I know it's a harsh lesson uh, when you're three, but uh, this is how we civilize people <laughs> in the world. So, true. Yeah, so true. there we go. Otherwise, we'd all be locked in cages. Uh, as I, bet he's, I bet he's still enjoying his experience. Oh, I think he is too. He's definitely, um, you know, having popsicles, although he was complaining that it was not the right color popsicle. He really wanted green and he was getting orange and then he got red and sort of frowned about this. But then he actually said, you get what you get and you don't get upset. So I assume that somebody told him that. (laughs) That is the classic. It's very interesting. I mean, it is sort of a Zen, uh, Zen, Zen statement if you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like your own reactivity to this doesn't really matter because you're going to get what you get. You're going to get what you get. And a red popsicle is still good, even if it's not green. (laughs) So, oh my goodness. And and you guys are plan you know, you're you're in full on trip planning logistics, right? Of like yes. how many, how many so cars you need. It definitely makes me think about your little photo, your historic photo of going to the UK with like two suitcases and five people. Yeah. Ready for my list of what we're bringing? Sure. Two car seats, one booster seat, the snap and go for Genevieve's stroller, a travel crib, and the ergo. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of minimal. I mean, we're, we're I think we're not going to bring our like big stroller. Although I will say it's been a hero in prior trips because it also serves as like a luggage caddy because yep. a double bob, you can fit a bunch of suitcases. So you're like, oh, I don't <laughs> need your little wheelie thing. I have my own. I, have my own. But I think we're going to leave it here. And I just, I am looking forward to the day my kids are older and you don't need to bring such accoutrements yeah. when you're traveling. No, I, I, there's, there's a narrow window where you need none of that stuff, but you need none of the teenage stuff. And, and we're, we're sort of reveling in that when we, <laughs> when we have the big kids on, on trips. Um, yeah, no traveling with a travel crib. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Cause otherwise I'm relying. I mean, I guess my friend was like, Oh, we're just going to have our baby sleep in our bed. I'm like, that sounds terrible. So. <laughs> that does actually sound terrible. <laughs> I imagine being kicked like all night. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we, we were never real co-sleepers with that. Well, this is going to be a great episode. We're we're looking forward to it. So we'll dive right into Manoush. 
Well, we are really excited to have Manoush on the program today. And before we introduce her, I think Sarah is particularly excited to have her on. Sarah, <laughs> do you want, Sarah wanted to do her little fangirl moment here. Oh, yay. I love fangirl moments. Oh, good. No, so I never do this, but I totally I have a blog. And I was writing on the blog and was like, I have this guest I'm really excited about. So then people started like, like guessing. guessing. Is, is it Beyonce? Is it Beyonce? Oh, We're like, no, sorry. Exactly. Yeah. So um, when they find out, they'll be super excited because wow. Manoush, I have been listening listening to you Beyonce Beyonce would have been good but I've been listening to you and your podcasts for like forever I mean I listened to it when it was um New Tech City and then I (laughs) and then I of course hung on for note to self and actually you for some reason tend to be this common topic of conversation at Thanksgiving because (laughs) because my brother-in-law lives in New York and he also like loves your podcast. And we are very, well, your podcast that you had. We are very different people, but like you're our common ground. We're like, oh, we just love Manoush. So oh, that's so yeah. Funny. They that's can't so talk funny. politics, but they can talk Manoush. So it's all exactly. good. That's actually very interesting to me. I, well, well, we'll continue that conversation offline. And I'm curious to know what he thinks of my new podcast because I'm guessing that maybe he's not as big of a fan if he's a uh, I don't know that he has checked it out yet, but I'm, I will force him. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you've got a few months till Thanksgiving. Yeah, exactly. She yes. rehearsed her talk. <laughs> exactly. So we were super excited. And um, Laura and I came up with a lot. We definitely want you to talk all about your new podcast, which is very exciting. But we also thought our listeners would love to hear a little bit more of your very interesting backstory and how you've managed it all, you know, as a woman and as a mother as well. Yeah, or or not managed it <laughs> or not <laughs> Laura knows yeah I need your podcast probably more than anyone so I find it quite interesting that I'm on it um I do think like you know we all have hacks to share though so um so I'm excited to be here well great well why don't you tell us a little bit about your career journey and also your your family situation yeah so my background is that I was a hardcore news producer breaking news producer and reporter for the BBC for Reuters And then uh, I realized I had no life after 9-11, and I quit running around the world and, of course, met the man that I married six months later because you got to stop moving uh, to meet someone. And so now I am still a reporter and journalist, but I got into podcasts about, let's see, 2013, 2012, so like five, six years ago before they went sort of mainstream. Um, And we have two kids. We have an 11-year-old and an 8-year-old. And my husband is also a journalist. He's a TV reporter. Um, So lots and lots of juggling, lots of juggling. But, and I did take, you know, I took some off ramps when I had my first kid and the second one too. That sort of period was very, very, very tough for me. I, I did a TED Talk and sort of talked about like I had extreme, like the first one was extremely colicky and, um, and it really rocked my world completely and made me rethink what I wanted to do with my life, what I wanted my focus to be on. Not that I didn't want to do journalism, but that I really wanted it to be creatively satisfying, intellectually satisfying, and that if I was going to be away from my kids, which I needed to be financially, but also that my brain needed to be, I needed to feel that it was worth it, that I was growing myself when I was away from them. So so yeah, so now I have a half a block commute, which uh, 
changes things. I, I just quit my job at New York Public Radio two months ago to start my own company with my former executive producer. She and I jumped ship together, and we are documenting the entire experience on our new show, which is called Zigzag. And part of that is she's a she's divorced. She has a six year old and a very long commute, and um, so that is definitely one of the storylines in our new show. Yeah. And, you know, we we both read uh, your book, Bored and Brilliant, and it's interesting you talk about the the your oldest being really colicky, because yeah. part of what inspired your Bored and Brilliant is all those long walks you took around New York, trying yeah. to scoop his little tummy, um, so, <laughs> nightmare. being unable to do anything else. Like, how did that all play out? Yeah, so the way it played out was, um, this was pre-smartphone. I can't even believe it. Um, so 11 years ago, exactly, because my son and the iPhone were born both in June of 2007, but I didn't have a smartphone. Most of us didn't because, oh, actually, yesterday, nerdy fact for you, was the 10-year anniversary of the App Store which is kind of interesting. Um, So in any case, this kid would not sleep unless he was moving at all times. So I basically walked, putting in about 10 to 15 miles a day walking. And I only had a flip phone, but also like the minute you stopped, he would start screaming. Um, And so you get to that point, you know, where you are irrational, uh, you know, this place, right, where you haven't slept and you you can't be like, well, you know, maybe I should stop because then maybe he'll get used to screaming and then maybe I'll get used to his scream. I don't know. It just, we spiraled into each other. But what happened with all those hours of walking was really when I started to, I didn't know it at the time, but when you allow, when I was bored out of my mind, when you are bored you and you allow your mind to space out, Essentially, what you do is you ignite a network in your brain. This is research that I went on to do five years later. Um, And you ignite uh, the default mode in your brain. And in the default mode, you do your most creative thinking. You do problem solving. You do something that I had never heard of called autobiographical planning. This is where you look back at your life. You take note of the highs and the lows. And then you look forward and you figure out, well, where am I going to go next? You tell yourself the story of you. Um, So actually, all that walking was extremely important work. And that was when I just sort of started to to plan and plot and figure out, you know, how I was going to rise like a phoenix from the ashes of my colicky mess. Um, To be clear, it took years um, to get out of that hole. And, you know, and then I had another kid. (laughs) Yeah, so you get right back in. She wasn't as bad, but... um, You were probably a little bit more uh, prepared for it. A little more seasoned. Well, I got more help. That's for sure. Yeah, there's that too. Yeah. Um, Well, and so that's part of it too. I mean, the logistics of, you know, having this job with with the public radio and and having the two kids. So Manoush, um, you know, I've I've asked you about your logistics when I've interviewed you in the past, but our our listeners don't know that. And I know you've, you've structured your life in interesting ways and your work life to try to make it work with your your two kids and your busy public radio schedule. So why don't you talk about what what that setup has been and how that's Yeah. Been. So it's changed because I quit my job and I started my own company. Um, and so in some ways, that's great because now uh, I no longer have to go into Manhattan. I live in Brooklyn and I joined a co-working space, which is one block away from my house. That So the commute time is rad. But I get. I think a couple things that I've done is 
Fridays. I always do school pickup on Fridays. I feel like there's just, I need one day where I see what's going on on the playground. I look the teachers in the eye, just sort of get a sense of what's going on. And I have to admit, Fridays are the days that usually my youngest, my daughter falls apart. She just, I think she's been keeping it together all week and she just collapses into a puddle. So I've kind of have to steal myself for it. Um, We don't do a lot after I do school pickup, but in any case, I try to make sure that I'm there. Um, The one secret weapon I have had, which uh, really has given me a very unfair advantage is my mother. Since my son, who's now 11, was born, she has come and spent two nights a week with us. And that has meant that I know I can work late or I know uh, at least one of those nights I, if there's a work event, I can go without having to deal with a babysitter and all the rest of it. I can be a little bit more flexible. And that really, um, when my kids were newborns or, or not newborns, but babies, that meant that there were two days a week that I, I worked. We didn't have a nanny at first or a babysitter. Um, so until they were in school. So that has, I mean, for people who don't have family around, I, my, I tip my hat to you. It is incredibly hard. So um, the one thing that I do have a disadvantage of is that my husband is uh, perpetually on call. So we, he never knows when he'll have to leave in the morning and he'll never know when he'll be home at night. So every night we kind of wait to see what's going on. He covers politics. So that, so those two things kind of balance out. But since, since I've been more successful and since I've written the book, like the one thing that I have been doing more of is traveling. Um, and Laura, I'm always curious to hear, like, you know, as someone who also just had a book out, like, how did you handle like traveling for your book and giving talks and all of those things? I find that I love being away, but the scheduling is so stressful. Yeah, it it is. I mean, when you have little kids, but um, that's, that's the thing of having a good nanny who can <laughs> deal with right. those logistics, yeah. right? Yep. You know, that's when you don't have, have near, family nearby, that's, that's what you wind up doing. I'm also curious about like the whole urban parenting thing. I know both yeah. Sarah and I have kind of not. <laughs> oh, in interesting. Yeah. Urban mm-hmm. life. Um, what, do you think there are any particular challenges of having stayed in the city or, you know, the trade-offs in that versus yeah. people sort of flee to New Jersey by the time they're... They do. Um, well, my kids walk to school, which has been awesome. They go to the local public school. It's three blocks away. It's great. Is that why you have your house where it is? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Every decision that anybody makes here is a real estate decision based on school district. Um, and it's, it was either like I we think- could, you know... Yeah, it was a it's a calculation that everybody makes. Like logistics are totally underrated. <laughs> People love to use like sort of passion and where you really feel oh. like you belong, but like you get everything within a really small square <laughs> radius and that makes a huge difference in life. I think that is so true. And I think about my kids what their life is like. It's like they live in a little village. You know, Brooklyn is really in many ways just a little series of villages. And so we happen to live in a village where it has a very big Italian presence and there are lots of little Italian stores and specialty gourmet shops. There's also a lot of, in the last couple of years, a lot of hipsters and (laughs) coffee shops. Um, But their world is quite small. You know, they, they walk to school and they walk to the playground and sometimes they take the subway, but not that regularly. Um, They probably do it most with like school trips and stuff. Um, I will say on the downside, I have two pretty high strung kids who I think, well, (laughs) Uh, you know, you know, Apple doesn't fall far from the. 
I was going to say that there may be genetics there. (laughs) So I think all of us would benefit from having a little more nature in our lives. Like I do think like I was thinking like at the end of school, I was like, I think my kid just needs to like lie down by a stream for like half an hour. Do you know what I mean? Just the, there's not a lot of decompression. Yeah. And And the East river isn't really that stream. No, (laughs) we actually live next to the Gowanus. So super fun. Yes. Gross. (laughs) So, you know, on the one hand, like my kids really appreciate good food. They, you know, they, I think are exposed to all kinds of different people. The school they go to is extremely diverse and all of those things are wonderful. But I do think the noise and the rush, rush, rush um, is exhausting. I find it exhausting. So it's a, it's a (laughs) always balance. Yes. Now, speaking of things that are, I was going to say, challenging for for kids, you know, I wanted to pivot to your technology um, expertise. Yes, that's what I was going to ask about (laughs) as well. This is, I think, something our our listeners are super interested in, and you are in the perfect position (laughs) to discuss your thoughts. Yeah, 11-year-old is your oldest. That's probably really becoming an issue. It's starting. It is starting. And so as someone who has covered technology as as a straightforward reporter, you know, very much like here's what's happening in the stock market and all those things. And then transitioning into looking at how technology has changed society, how it's affected our basic cultural things that we believe in, our ethics, the way that we fall in love, the way that we parent, all of those things. You know, I have felt as though like my poor kids are my little laboratory, right? But what I think I was early to was an understanding of just how powerful these our devices are when it comes to, well, grabbing our attention. The attention economy was something that I sort of helped get, get people talking about. And and so I, I have been, you know, I also feel conflicted because on the one hand, I really do believe that the reason I was able to go back to work as uh, fast and furiously as I was, was because of the smartphone. I was able to coordinate, you know, four lives, five lives on the go, and I am grateful to that. I think many working mothers, uh, all, well, all mothers are working mothers, but many of us find that like, there's no way you could make it all happen without the smartphone. So I see both sides. And in terms of like habits for my kids, I mean, like I know why my kid is grouchy after I've asked him to turn off the iPad because he's had his half hour. It's hard for them to, my kid has trouble transitioning to begin with. So any kid is struggling to transition when they've been, when they're doing something on an iPad that is stimulating them. And for multiple reasons for, um, because the uh, business model of probably the app is built on keeping them glued to it because of the design of the way that the games are, all of those things. Manus, do you let them play two dots? Oh, hell no. No, no, no. No. (laughs) Two dots. My secret game. Your your kryptonite. (laughs) My kryptonite. It still is. Um, I, I, but that's funny. I haven't played it since I started my company. Isn't that interesting? I, yeah. I know. So maybe it was well, I'd, scratching some sort of psychic itch. I think it itch might be, actually. That is true. Wow. Okay, breakthrough here. Um, no, I, I don't <laughs> want my kids to be Luddites, and I don't want them to feel like, you know, I, I know those kids. Remember, like, those kids who weren't allowed to watch TV, and then they came over to your house, and, and they all TV. they wanted to do was watch TV? <laughs> like, I do not want my kids to be like that, but... I also like have realized like it is my responsibility, the age that they are right now to put, 
parameters around it. And, and some parents don't need to do that. I think every kid is so different and all of the ways that these devices um, play to us is so different. They are very personalized, right? Like it's not like with TV, it's either on or off. It is uh, every device is set up to be specifically uh, attractive to you. And so what I'm trying to do and what I certainly try to um, discuss with all the parents that I give talks to is this idea of not shaming or shaking your finger or anything like that, but having like a conversation like, huh, why do you think it's like, why do you think that that has so many points there? What what happens when you spend more time on it? Do you get rewarded with, you know, sort of breaking it down depending on the age of your child, um, why you feel this way towards it? I sat in on an amazing eighth grade class. The teacher is using the book, um, and I hear from a lot of teachers who use the Bored and Brilliant book, as a, as a way to, you know, externalize the conversation about how technology changes our behavior. So they don't have to be the one saying, put it away. They use the book as a, like, let's look at chapter five. Like, why? Let's talk about this idea of advertising and targeted advertising and how that has, she's calling it the attention economy. What do you think that is? Like, so I think, you know, kids are super smart. They don't, like, part of computer computer science or digital literacy is more than just learning to code or how to uh, identify a, a source. It's about understanding the psychology, the neuroscience, the design, the the business behind the technology and sort of being able to also check in with yourself. Like, why do you feel yucky after you've spent three hours on Instagram? You know, <laughs> like, let's talk about it. So... So yes. true. We all feel <laughs> yucky after. Yeah, <laughs> right? Kidding. I know. Although it's, yeah, and like what you were saying, kids are very different. I mean, we just got the 11-year-old a phone. You um, did. You know, Which kind did you get? Um, well, it's it's like an older iPhone, and we didn't get him the unlimited data, so he mm-hmm. has to kind of economize on it, which has mm-hmm. been an interesting experience um, for him. Can um, I ask why why 11? Like, why this moment for you? Um, because he's starting middle school, yeah. and so that's pretty much what a lot of the parents that we respect had done. Um, mm-hmm. I know there's that whole wait until eighth, although I swear it's just because wait and eight rhyme. Yeah, no, um, I think you're right about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the word seven, if they'd come up with something that rhymed yeah, with seven, they'd do that. It has not, it's not because it's like research in peer-reviewed journals because there isn't as much, no. you know, because it's a new phenomenon. But anyway... Well, we're going to get one too, because yeah. my kid, you know, he's going to go to middle school too, and he's going to have to ride the subway by himself. Yeah. He oh, needs- I would totally get a yeah. kid who had to ride the subway by himself. Yeah. Phone. I mean, what else are you going to do? Like, totally. He has to ask the crazy stranger for their phone. I mean, that's not better. Exactly. <laughs> but a shout out to, I think it's fatherly, or there's a lot of places actually that have good lists of dumber phones. Yeah. Um, and so I, I don't want to get him something that has games on it, because I think... I love the dumb phone right? idea. Yeah. I think that's the route we may go. My husband is obsessed with actually like light phones and like he actually himself, he's a surgeon and his phone is like this hundred dollar beater phone that he's very proud right. of that it doesn't work well. So it's not addicting. Yes. It's an interesting, interesting. Uh, backwards way of doing yeah. things. <laughs> but yeah. I, he can get texts and well, yeah. And his most important work is, it has nothing to do with the phone. So, exactly. Cool. So he likes the idea that he can. But then sometimes he'll take videos of the kids and it looks like it's from like 2003. And I'm like, really? <laughs> we didn't even have children in 2003. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, so tell us about your new, your new, and 
our listeners as well about your your new project because this is very exciting. You're, you're yeah, yeah. Journey. yeah. So I am not hosting Note to Self anymore, although I do hope to Sadly continue enough. to do. I know. I know that's so yeah. sad. Well, maybe you'll have to revive maybe. it in some other yeah. form someday. But for now, um, so my executive producer, also a mom, she and I decided we wanted to do our own thing. We wanted to have editorial and financial ownership that was really important to us. I think it was a little bit of the me too moment that made us think like, wait, maybe we could do this ourselves. And so as we started talking to people, we got an offer, uh, a grant essentially from a startup uh, that is using the blockchain to reimagine how uh, journalism gets paid for in this day and age. And it is an extremely odd and exciting experiment that we have joined. It is called Civil. So what Civil has done is they've identified 20, I think there's 20 of us, uh, startup little mini people who want a little mini media empires. And we are the proving ground for this concept for them, which is to build an online ecosystem of uh, websites that to regular people will just look like regular news websites. But on the back end, if you want to join us, you can buy into what's called a token economy, um, where there will be no advertising on these websites because they will be supported by readers and by uh, essentially a cryptocurrency, which is creating a means for people to vote and take part in governance of what they say will be an entirely new kind of ethical verified journalism ecosystem. It is confusing. It is hard <laughs> to explain. Yeah. But that is what we are unpacking on the podcast in our through our very personal stories. I was going to say, there's a very human yes. element, even as you're explaining all the stuff. The cool thing to me is like hearing you guys as people going through it and the anguish of oh starting something new and charting into, you know, heading into uncertain territory, yeah. especially when you have families and people counting on you. It's oh, really cool. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you hear a lot of me and Jen leaving, you know, it's a weird mix of like our voice memos to each other and like conversations like you hear my, me and my husband riding to the airport as we're jetting off in different directions. But you also hear us like trying to understand this, you know, that's my thing. Like, let's try to understand how this new technology works. I am not a techie. I do, cannot code, but I really want to, I think I need to help myself and other people understand the basics so that we can make sure our technology works to improve our lives. Like, you know, Silicon Valley has this thing like, oh, tech is not inherently good or bad. And that's just not true. Technology sometimes is amazing. It connects us to people and information, but other times it is absolutely bad. We have seen what happened with Cambridge Analytica and the ability for these big social media platforms to siphon up all of our private data. Um, and so I think we're at this point where the consumer needs to be not just aware, but voice their opinion. And so for me, going out on my own was a chance to sort of look for solutions to some of these technological problems, not just report on the problems. I want to be part of figuring it out, fixing it, making, um, you know, the internet has so much wonderful promise. And I see that this blockchain technology also could have so much promise if we get the right people involved. So I want to be part of that. 
Well, that sounds really cool. Totally cool. Well, so Manoush, we, we always do a, a love of the week. Um, oh, we're okay. hoping you can join us for this this episode, this part of our episode here, if our technology keeps working. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but hopefully when our listeners are listening to this, they will have heard a seamless and lovely podcast. Um, yes. we, we've had some issues. With three we, moms rolling with the punches. We're rolling with the punches here. Yeah. So we always discuss something that we're, we're loving this week. So <laughs> mine, mine is tech related, I guess. Oh, that's um, but this is, but it's a low tech thing, a part of the tech, which is I lost <laughs> minor. I lost my iPhone charger, right? So, or somebody took it, which it is happens. more likely. And I needed to buy a replacement one, so I bought one with a much longer cord, and it's like life changing. Oh, I didn't know you could do that, actually. <laughs> well, it's it's you know not made by Apple. It's right. just somebody's you know thing they're selling on Amazon. But the cord is long enough that I can like sit in a chair and it can be charging at the same time. Right? I mean, so it's I'm, the little things, isn't it, Laura? My things. God. Yeah. So I'm not like hovered next to an outlet <laughs> as I'm trying to do stuff while my phone That's is charging. Awesome. It is awesome. It is awesome. Okay. Can I just say, like, I stayed at this extremely fancy hotel in Palo Alto. Okay. And when I came back from dinner, they, you knew, I was like, oh, this is what fancy means in Palo Alto. They had taken all my cords and wrapped them with special Velcro. <laughs> special Velcro. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. And I was like, oh, this is living the life when you're in <laughs> that somebody Valley. comes around and wraps your, wraps your cords. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's cool. that is so something cool. to I'm sure probably some people come with like 50 different cords and like that's the whole thing. Yeah, you, you know, know, forget slippers <laughs> or like you know bath salts or chocolate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Velcro. Well, do you want to have that be your love of the week, Manusha? Yes, that will be my love that of the week. Be your love of the week. Okay, and Sarah, it how might about have you? To be my aspiration of the week. But... Aspiration. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, I'll make mine partially tech and partially a nod to Laura because she did this savoring challenge on her blog as inspired by her book. And I was totally savoring the ability to just stream and then play electronically in my house music for like hours on end by myself the other day. It was so great. And I played like all of Amy Mann's catalog like in a row, which started at like 1993 and went to now. It was just awesome so oh, cool. yay technology and yay, yay for laura's idea <laughs> i love that like listening to the, somebody's whole catalog right like you could hear the theme yeah it felt so around. oddly indulgent yes. like yeah definitely yes. oh, those are great yeah no savoring savoring is good i'm a saver laura you really i think you and i i did one of those um what do you call them were you like uh, inventory, I guess, of my life where I kept track of all my hours. Oh yeah, you tracked your time. Yeah. Oh, you did time yeah, tracking. Yeah, yeah, it was very eye-opening. And what I realized was the reason you were like, but you're not working really more than like 40 to 44 hours a week. And I was like, why do I feel so insanely busy? And what I realized <laughs> was um, it was the switching. And I, I, so that really plays into some of my work too, is that this, the constant switching that we do just exhausts us, which was why I think I felt so tired. So now I'm really trying to do things um, in blocks of time. And I find that I, I breathe easier and it even, it feels, it feels more productive as well. Well, wonderful. Well, Manoush, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a great conversation. That was great. Thank you so much for having me. And, uh, when you when you want to maybe you want to call in the zigzag and tell people about your show, please. We'd do. love to. We'd okay. love to. Awesome. Ooh. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you both for having me.
Well, that was great. Uh, so this brings us to our Q&A part of the podcast. So this question we, we both like because it deals with this whole uh, Gretchen Rubin rubric of upholders, obligers, uh, rebels, etc. So our listener writes in and says, I have two young kids work full-time from home for a large corporation. My husband works full-time in an office. We have full-time childcare for our kids. Objectively speaking, my job is not that demanding. The hours are manageable. It's flexible, especially since I work from home. I enjoy the work. I most certainly enjoy the financial opportunities. She has no current ambitions for any kind of promotion or advancement. However, I am a textbook obliger who leans upholder. I like to do things well and do things right. This aspect of my personality has become a bit of a liability as I've become a working mom. Well, parenthetically, it was before too, but it's been magnified. <laughs> I can tend toward feeling overwhelmed and I use up a significant amount of mental energy on work-related stress, even though I can recognize in hindsight that much of the pressure and stress is my own creation. Here's where my question comes in. Your frequent argument about the inefficiency of going part-time or inefficacy of going part-time in a role that's already very flexible rings true to me. Hours are variable and nebulous, and as long as the work gets done, no one really cares or is tracking how many hours I'm working. You've used the line before that one could just slack a bit in this situation, especially if the alternative to doing that is quitting completely. Again, in theory, I get it and completely agree with it. In practice, I find it challenging. So my question, aside from changing my entire personality, any specific tactical tips for internalizing and acting on the just slack mantra when you're predisposed to wanting to cross every T and dot every I at work and it creates added stress? Ah, so... What do you think? I love this question because it did speak to me a little bit as someone who kind of weighed the, the pros and cons in my situation and did decide to go part-time, even though I, I also get what Laura is saying. So, I mean, one option is that you can decide that for you, it doesn't make sense. However, I think that my job may be less suited to a more slack or um, elastic <laughs> type of um, situation than others. Just because when you have patient care in the mix, unless you are officially and fully off, you're sort of always going to be vulnerable to your patients needing you in some fashion. And therefore, I really wanted the ability to completely turn off and go off the grid during certain days. And that wouldn't have been feasible without an official part-time. And since that's not your situation, I do think you have a little bit more um, leeway than, than I potentially do. So my ideas for you were a couple. So number one, it sounds like you really like structure and you really like goal setting. So perhaps there's some way that you can think of monthly or weekly and even on a micro level daily goals that you know that you want to get these things done. And then beyond that, you're finished. So you still have the ability to, you know, cross the I's and T's that matter because you've sort of thought about them ahead of time, but you're also not feeling like you have to fill every potential, you know, second of the theoretical workday. If you're able to kind of check off the things that you've decided are important, then you're done. My other thought is that if I were in this situation, I think what I would do is I would start doing things like I'd still work a full day, but I would check off things for myself during that day so that I sort of carved out a little bit of extra time, meaning like I might do a workout at lunch break. And you know what? Maybe the break will take 40, 72 minutes instead of the 45 that you're officially allotted. But who cares? If you checked off all the boxes and you're doing all the things that are important, then you met your goals. And that will allow you to kind of address your upholder tendencies in two realms, <laughs> completing some tasks that you want to do for yourself and also um, getting what really truly needs to be done for work done. 
I really like that. I love those answers um, to, yeah, set the daily or weekly or monthly goals. And then when you're done with them, you're done. Um, and so be move yourself away from this sort of idea of time obligation. I think it also might help to get a good sense of what your colleagues are doing. Um, because one of the ways that, you know, this obliger upholder tendency comes in is we think that there's some ideal we're comparing ourselves to, but none of our colleagues are reaching that ideal either. Uh, and I have seen this on time logs, um, you know, that colleagues are working wildly different numbers of hours or um, getting various different things done. And one of the issues of being a remote employee is that you don't see that. And so if you're the sort of person who goofs off all the time, well, you, you there's no accountability and that's not good for the people who are employing you. But if you're the sort of like person who does cross every T, you can wind up working a lot more than other people and there's no check on it. Um, to the point where I, you know, I've had people who have kept time logs for me um, who are working from home and have that time of personality. Like they hire a dog walker to come to their house because they don't feel they can even get away from their desk for like 10 minutes to take their dog outside. And I'm like, well, that's kind of ridiculous. Like, I don't think it is. Plus, you'd think they could maybe get some creative brainstorming done on the walk. So yeah, on the walk with the dog. You know, if you're working from home, this is one of the upsides and, and you know, should probably see that everyone takes breaks. Um, you know, it's just whether they're, they're conscious or not. And so, Consciously, you know, taking the dog outside might be better than, you know, surfing Twitter because your mind is fragged. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, trying to get a better sense of what your colleagues are doing with their time. And, you know, short of having everyone keep time logs, there may not be a good way to do this. But you can ask questions, you know, get a sense of like, you know, what kind of breaks people are taking during the day or what hours they are on and uh, what they're getting done. Uh, do a little bit of that that sort of research and it, you probably are comparing quite favorably. <laughs> so maybe you can just sort of dial it back to more like what your colleagues are doing, especially if you don't have any particular ambitions to advance, then, you know, there's really no point of being the, the star, except if you personally want to. Um, but it sounds like she doesn't. So that's, that's a different matter. Awesome. Well, Thank you all for listening. This has been an interesting piece together uh, episode, uh, but we hope all we made all the pieces fit um, in the end. Yes, exactly. Thanks for listening to Best of Both Worlds, and we'll be back with more next week on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. 
Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.